Hey, quick editor's note, which is totally unnecessary, but that I'm going to include anyway. This is Cody Goff. John and I recorded this episode exactly eight days before the angry video game nerd posted his Earthbound video. And I just want you to be totally clear on that. Check out our YouTube channel if you don't believe me. But you're going to hear a lot of stuff that I say, that John says, that the angry video game nerd absolutely says. And it's weird that a 20-some-year-old game basically got reviewed within the same eight days by both us and the angry video game nerd, the very famous YouTuber. He has a hilarious video, so obviously go watch that. It's super fun. But we did not know that was going to happen when we recorded this. And it's frankly bizarre, the parallels between our opinions. So just know that going into this, that we did it first. I was just too lazy to get the audio podcast done. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. With your hosts, Cody Goff, and Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. I'm Adam from the Digital Soup Podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeek.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. We'll start by conceding that while on this podcast our entire purpose our entire existence in 2018 is to complete to play a game to completion to see the end credits screen of each video game that we play on the SNES Classic Mini and I'm not going to bury the lead this is this week we were tasked with playing one of the most storied and cult classic followed Super Nintendo games of all time and yet somehow even though I muscled through Star Fox 2 and Castlevania Super Castlevania 4 and probably some other games I didn't like that much I didn't beat Earthbound you failed on pretty much every front with this game by the way this is Jonathan Martin uh, one of the co-hosts of Game Life Balance one of the two co-hosts the better co-host of Game Life Balance US one of the two better co-hosts. One of the two better co-hosts, along with Cody Goff, my partner in crime here, who not only did you not complete this game, but we 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 had an extra two weeks. We had an extra two weeks. You had two extra weeks to complete this game. And I will say, I completed this game start to finish. I, d- I didn't play anything else in between. I wasn't playing another game at the time. But I remembered literally everything and everywhere that I needed to go for this game, along with where all of the secret stuff was in this game as well. So, Including the secret it, character, which I've heard is it, really hard re- to get. Yeah, otherwise. Beatrice, actually. Uh, if, you, uh, visit her, if, Beatrix. if you visit her grave uh, mm-hmm. at the start of disc three, um, mm-hmm. you, you have to put General Leo's sword on her grave, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then Kafka joins your party. The the end. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I just I, this game stuck with me still. So 
we should talk about it. We certainly should. Every week on Game Life Balance US, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast, we do have a sister show in Australia, so I'm not making that up. Uh, we, I, th- I mean, what we're trying to do is kind of delve into, obviously, balancing video games with life in terms of our time, but then also looking at kind of the why and in the the core of the of 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 what these games are that we're playing it's not just like we'll review castlevania it's like what makes a good game or what makes a game worth our time or, or is how much does or this, like does this game can you go back to this game or? yes exactly so um i i think it probably makes sense actually if i for start sure start as a new as a newcomer to the game um, to, and also because it will frame the the conversation. And when we say newcomer to the game, we mean a legitimate newcomer to the game. You had never touched this game before, right? I had never touched Earthbound. I never played it. Never played it on the emulator. Uh, knew nothing about it. I played as Ness in Smash Brothers sometimes, but otherwise, no. So, quick background: Earthbound is a 1994 Japanese role-playing game that was released by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And here is what I observed and what is really the big deal with this game. So this game has a massive cult following. It was one of the most wanted games for game, uh, by gamers for Nintendo to put on their virtual console and create new editions and remake and create sequels to like, I mean, the mother series has an insane fan base and earthbound just has this crazy fan base in the U S. So I started playing the game and it was almost immediately apparent. Why I would call earthbound the twin peaks of, of video games. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah. You know, I think that that's, I kind of see the, what you are drawing, like the, the, illusion that you're drawing to there i think maybe it's a it's less adult maybe than than oh, twin sure. peaks but it's got that like that like quirky it's definitely got that quirkiness to it um that twin the, in the court, that yeah. Twin peaks has for yeah. sure yeah and if you, if you haven't seen twin peaks twin peaks is the david lynch tv show from the early 90s and it's it's kind of def- defies genres right like it's part mystery part comedy part, part drama part right. horror like it does things no TV shows do, and Twin Peaks really holds up. I mean, I watched it in twenty some years after it came out, and it still really holds up. It's it's just so like unique. There there is nothing like Twin Peaks. There is no TV show like it, and it was almost immediately apparent that Earthbound is is similar in that I've never played and I've played a lot of role playing games. I've played all the Final Fantasy games for sure, but I've I've never played a game like Earthbound. And it's a really um, interesting thing to say because at its core, in terms of its its gameplay mechanics, its role-playing game mechanics, it is one of the most basic role-playing games with just a, a minimal amount of mechanics in it. So yeah. the fact that you can still say that kind of speaks loudly to the the casing around those mechanics. Yeah. Um, so just... High level, what separates this game is that at a time when Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy III and the Dragon Quest series were really, really popular, they were all set in medieval settings or steampunk settings, and this game is modern day. It takes place in basically a 90s take on America, kind of. Enemies are 
riding skateboards and you use a baseball bat or a yo-yo as a weapon and there's cars and there's buses and there it's a town and it's a modern day you get your money not from enemies dropping money but whenever you beat an enemy your dad puts deposits money into your bank account and you can withdraw it from an atm and that's how you actually get your money. Um, you stay in hotels and things like that. Uh, to save the game, you use a payphone or a telephone somewhere to call your dad and save the game. So um, very modern. The music is all over the place. Super, like lots of personality. The battle music will be a, a samba or a salsa dance music question mark in a series of battles but then it'll change and be different in other areas the background of the battle screen is this weird psychedelic wavy colorful patterns that are they're they're like seeming they're like seemingly random but then in certain encounters they are specific right so it's extremely stylized this game is really avant-garde in a way um and the dialogue is completely out of control like it's just the so best. a couple a, a couple of notes before you go further on that so this game came out in in america in 94 which is the tail end of the super nintendo's lifespan and the premier role-playing game company that basically published all of the role-playing games at that time was was squaresoft and squaresoft was using a philosophy of pushing the envelope in terms of graphics, in terms of gameplay mechanics. And they weren't... Their their stories were, I would call them, kind of like solid stories, um, albeit maybe a little rote, right? In terms of just like your generic fantasy type, type stories. Um, and they didn't pay a lot of attention to localization. Localization referring to taking something from one language along with the the cultural touchstones of something being made in that language. We talk about this in video games a lot because when a game is made in Japan, there's a lot of things different with Japanese culture, and those things just don't... Tra- if, you were to, if you were to like to do a, a direct translation of this game, it would probably not make a lot of sense because there's probably a lot of weird like Japanese culture in here that we wouldn't understand as Americans, right? Weird is the wrong right. word for that, but you understand what I'm saying. So... Squaresoft was not really focused so much on localization. They did a good job with it, and their games were serviceable in terms of their in terms of their dialogue and in terms of their stories. But nobody's really looking at Squaresoft games at this time and being like, "Oh my gosh, that story!" and "Oh, I remember that character in this game." And like, generally, there generally, I don't think people were coming to Squaresoft games for those. Earthbound emphasized that localization process more than any other game that I think I can. I can remember because like you said, there is nothing like what you find with the dialogue of some of these characters in this game. And some of the subtlety of the humor in this game that is, is was obviously done with just such craftsmanship and care is it can't be like, I can't overstate that it is. There is some really like witty stuff in this game. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It can't be understated because I legitimately wanted to walk around and talk to every person in this game. I was just walking in a in a hotel where you can do various things, and there's a character that they just like they'll they'll have a so he'll talk to like a talking dog, and the talking dog will be like, "Wait, why am I talking? I'm a dog. I'm not supposed to be able to talk." Well, anyway, I'm going to talk anyway now. It's, just, it's very 
it it breaks the fourth wall and weaves in and out of its own narrative. And then there are things that just don't make any sense, which which will resonate with the Twin Peak fans out there, right? Like there's just yeah, weird. there's a there's a lot of non sequiturs all over the place, everywhere. So you'll be walking, and then suddenly this you'll stop, and you can't, you're not moving. And I'm like, what happened? The music will change, and this guy in a in a business suit will just spin. So he falls from the sky, literally just drops in from the heavens, spinning the entire time, lands insists that he takes your picture and tells you to say fuzzy pickles and then he leaves and i didn't complete the game so i don't know if there's any kind of payoff at any point but even if there is like that's so random there's and and out of nowhere and there's no context given to so much of that um but all the characters just seem so um they're, they're characters, you know what I mean? Like they're they're NPCs, non-playable character. It's kind of a blanket term for just a piece of furniture that that adds flavor to a game, let's say, or an environment. Basically, anybody that's not controlled by you, is, right? You know, in the Final Fantasy series, you walk around, they'll they'll say something like, "Boy, the imps sure are angry today," or something like minor world building, right? Maybe a little bit of quirkiness especially in the Super Nintendo era and the, even in the PlayStation era. But, but this game, it's, it's, it's all over the place. They're talking about the gameplay. They're talking about... They're, I think there's a character that talks about how you're playing the game. Um, so they're just... All- there's one that talks about Earthbound. Yeah, talks about, yeah like, I actually d- took a couple screenshots. References the game Earthbound. Yeah, yeah. I took a couple screenshots of that. So um, it's just... It's phenomenal. And it's, uh, it is a very, very well-constructed... I don't know if well-constructed is the word, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun engaging world that does not follow it it doesn't color inside the lines it doesn't follow a generic anything it's it's dynamic and it's engaging and yeah a couple a couple of a couple of notes that i made just about the dialogue there are puns everywhere and if you know anything about japanese (laughs) culture there's all sorts of wordplay in uh in when speaking Japanese and in writing Japanese. So I don't speak or or read any Japanese, but I, I know that there's a lot of wordplay. So that is translated over in this game. There's a ton of puns everywhere. Like you said, there's a ton of optional dialogue everywhere that just adds color to the world that is completely inconsequential to moving moving the the game forward at all. And a lot of times it doesn't get you anything. Like there's not there's like no optional content in this game. There's no side quests. Literally none in this entire game. Uh. Um, the I wrote that the game uses four sentences when to say what you could with one, which which could easily be considered a negative. I think in a lot of other respects, but the localization is just so good, and there's not enough dialogue that it is that like that it is that imposing to to do that. But there are plenty of times where like people just don't shut up, and it's it's purposeful. It's purposeful because they they make it funny when like some of these people won't shut up. So it's it's done really well. And then there's plenty of fourth wall breaking, uh, like you said. Yeah. So it's just it's yeah. And the you you talked about like the it's kind of like an Americana, right? Like in terms of the of the world that it's building. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a weird Americana that is very obviously not written by like a, a stereotypical American. And the first, like the first example of what I'm talking about that comes to mind is in the first city that you're in, it's called Onnit, and when you're 
done, when you're moving on to the next city, which is Tucson, you have to fight the police. And the police talk about how they're gonna how they're gonna like beat up a little kid. And they like they make jokes about it in a way that looking like when I was reading it again, you know, considering the 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 landscape of the world now, of the United States now, like reading that, it's like this is a little uncomfortable. And it's a little it's a little like on the nose for a game made in 94, like, it, you wouldn't have seen something like that by an American company at the time. Oh, yeah. I there wouldn't saying. be that, there wouldn't be that kind of criticism of, of like, any kind of armed forces, right, in a video game. They wouldn't, they wouldn't make that joke. But because this is a Japanese company basically writing about an American city, they made that joke. And there's stuff like that peppered all across the game where it's like, it's America... It feels a little like America, but it's not quite America. Yeah, and uh, the, I mean the 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 story of how the game was made is, and John touched on it. The localization was so important. It's um, it, it's a pretty fascinating story in and of itself because essentially one guy translated all of it. Um, I guess he was working like four, fourteen hour days for just ever to get this done, and he had barely any oversight, so he just kind of got weird. And yeah. apparently he was tasked with making it feel and seem like it was a game that took place in America, but it was written by a non-American. But he was American. So apparently, I mean, he, he accomplished his goal, yeah. but in a very strange way. So the, the whole creation of the game is, is pretty fundamental in understanding it. So anyway, what I wanted to focus the discussion on, though, I mean, considering how much praise I heaped on this game, like... I give this game an exceptional rating. It is in a, it is a it is a historic game. It is a um it's just unique beyond words and it 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 belongs in the pantheon probably of having done some of the coolest things that I've seen especially at the time and for the genre. And then the, the, you're all waiting for the butt, right? Like you're waiting for like but why didn't you finish it? It's because it plays like an 1986 NES game. Um, and I, the play control to me, just the opening and closing of menus, the battle system um, felt so tedious. I couldn't bring myself to keep playing in terms of the actual gameplay. And again, environment, sound, graphics, everything else about this game is so incredible. If Nintendo remade and streamlined some of the gameplay, like Square Enix has been doing, like with if you played Final Fantasy VIII on Steam now, I guess they included some shortcuts so you don't have to spend a lot of time grinding and doing the draw system, things like that. If they, if Nintendo just tweaked a couple gameplay elements and and modernized the gameplay a little bit, I would love to play through this game. But as it was, like I counted one time, one time I, I, I died in a battle. Okay, great. And just the, the, the sheer amount of lost time that it took me to like, go to an ATM, withdraw money, which takes like 12, 12 or 15 button mashes, then walk over to the hotel, rest, save my game again, get all this other stuff. Not to mention if I had a lot of cash on hand, then I would have lost it. Um, just all this 
crap I had to go through just from like one mistake. Or if you go in the wrong area and then an enemy fights you this way too hard. Like it's it's just not. I, and I don't. And this is the thing. You you said that no one else at the time was was really worried as much about localization and Square was pushing gameplay and stuff like that. Like I look at any other role playing game of the era. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was done by an American studio, and Nintendo was pushing the envelope at the time. Again, late in the Super Nintendo cycle with Yoshi's Island. They they're so they're sitting here revolutionizing platforming. They're sitting over here revolutionizing polygons and 3D gameplay with Star Fox Two. Every other RPG of the time, even Breath of Fire. Th- even the Breath of Fire series, which I am a, not a huge fan of, even those were at least, like, playable. Um, so, that was Capcom, by the way. No, 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 I know that. But I'm just saying even another yeah. role-playing game series um, by Capcom. I, I know that's Sure. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I worry that this is a, an instance of a game that is a victim of its time. And I wish I could go back... 20 years and play it when it was big when you played it because you were a kid so you had more free time and you had more time to explore and you you didn't have these expectations of modern gameplay that we're now spoiled with today so i think that you experienced earthbound in the perfect time and place and to me it feels like a golden eye where if you grew up with a nintendo 64 and you played golden eye that was the god of multiplayer shooters and now, if I picked up a controller uh, three or four years ago and just like at a, I was like at a party or something and somebody was like, oh, I'm playing Goldeneye. And I picked it up and I'm, I'm just looking around and I'm like, this is the worst, most unplayable thing I've ever, like, how did I ever play this? It was just totally, totally insane. So um, that that's where I'm at. And I want to know what it was like for you replaying through the game and if you found the gameplay as much of a roadblock as I did, or if I'm just impatient, because that could be it. So I'll give it just a little more context. Take, you know, go back to 1994. Um, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy IV had come out in 92. And in terms of large franchises coming out of Japan that were console-specific, that were role-playing games, you basically had two. You had Final Fantasy... And you had Dragon Quest. Now, America didn't get a lot of Dragon Quest. We got, you know, we got one, two, and three, and four on the NES. And then we didn't get either of the Super Nintendo uh, Dragon Quest. We didn't get five or six. But they were they were the largest role-playing games in Japan. Yeah. And so other companies in Japan were mimicking those games. And a lot of games that we didn't get. So... A big difference between those two series is that in Final Fantasy IV, you know, Squaresoft branched out and created a more active battle system, something that I think you could consider a little more engaging. Whereas Dragon Quest stuck to its stuck to its tradition of having a turn-based battle system. And Breath of Fire did that too, I think, turn-based. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And there were plenty of other role-playing games too. But generally like those are those were the two there weren't a lot of a lot of like novel new types of of mechanics and stuff happening in the Super Nintendo era. Generally if if a company was making a role-playing game, they'd make one of those two types of battle systems. This was a Dragon Quest mimic. Now, for somebody like me, I was one of I think the few of of our group of friends that actually played 
through the original Dragon Quest games, one through four. And so I kind of already knew what, what to expect from a game like this. And so for me, when I played it in 94, it didn't feel any different than going and playing a Dragon Quest game at all. So I knew what to expect when I played this. I don't know if I don't know if you ever played a Dragon Quest game. I played the original Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior for the sure. Nintendo. I, I I played that, um, and for a Nintendo game, it was fine. Like I yeah yeah, it requires a different amount of patience, and it requires like it it requires a tenacity to kind of deal with with a little bit of crap, um, and. When I was playing Earthbound again this time, it's been probably six or seven years since I played since I played it last. I realized that there came a point in the game where I wasn't changing anything about the way that I was approaching every single battle. They were all the same. And it was about two-thirds of the way through the game. And it, I realized that it was going to be a slog for the rest of the game. It really was. Um, and that was... That was just a sheer, based on the design of the game, based on the the way the power curve worked. Like, I was just incredibly powerful at one point. You know, Jeff, one of the characters who's kind of like a a nerd in the game, he gets items that he can use that are are specific to his character. And he eventually gets this item that's a bazooka that does a ton of damage to one enemy and then the adjacent enemies as well. So he was just... You know, like, he was destroying everything, and it was just, it 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 got boring about two-thirds of the way through. I also knew, obviously, where to go and everything in the game, too, so that kind of took away some of that wonder. And the game also loses steam in terms of how much dialogue and kind of fun stuff there is as the game goes on as well. Mm. Um, so, looking back on it, playing through it again, I didn't have the same... Like, there, like my love of this game was definitely driven a lot by nostalgia for the game, for sure. Like I have, I have no problem admitting that. Um, but I still went out of my way to like talk to every single NPC, every single one of them that I could, just to get that the color dialogue that I may have forgotten, um, or maybe never ha- had never seen before, you know. So I still really, really enjoyed doing L- that. Let me bring up one thing that you said you remembered where to go, and I think that's what made it hard for me to do what you did. Right, because you know, all right, I'll talk to this guy, this guy, this guy, and then yeah. I'll end up here and leave the town. My problem was if I kind of talk to everybody and I'm like, okay, that was fun, but then I got lost, and then I end up having to talk to more people, and you know, you don't get you don't get sprint shoes in this game. You can't zip around. The bicycle's a little awkward because you've got to open up like seven dialogue boxes to, or inventory management to even ride it. So. That's that's what I think. That's another benefit that I think that you have that allowed you to enjoy that. Because if I'm lost or I'm frustrated and I don't know where to go, that impedes the experience of reading this insane, brilliant dialogue that I'm totally into. A little more context for the listener: when this game came out in America, it came out in this box, like the, the actual game box itself. When you were going through the store to buy this game was outrageously large. It was about four times the size of a regular game cartridge box. And so you looked at it, if you didn't know anything about it, you'd be like, what the hell is this giant video game? Well, in every copy of Earthbound, if you bought it at retail and new, there was a full-length strategy guide, complete with uh, 
clay figures that were crafted by the wife of one of the directors as artwork. Um, there was some scratch and sniff stuff in there. Some like red, like there's some really cool stuff that came with just the base game. The game also cost like $90 if you were to buy it new at the time. But um, yeah, so like it, it kind of knew that you were going to need help knowing where to go. So it gave you an entire strategy guide for that. And if you didn't have that context, like if you didn't have that guide the first time you were playing through this game, the the game is pretty obtuse in some parts for sure. So I can see getting lost being a problem. Yeah, and and again, if I was a well, you had the strategy guide when you played it the first time, then right? Yeah. Yep. So yep. and of course I have the internet. Like yeah, I can look this stuff up. Um, but but there's still a difference between between following a guide and knowing. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, on paper, something may seem straightforward and then it's not, or you've got the random encounters to deal with, um, and they can't document every possible thing that's going to happen. So I I did refer to it, and I didn't even have a problem with that. I actually, like, I don't even want to call that a major weakness of the game, um, because that was kind of kind of par for the course at in that era right um especially with the nintendo entertainment system i mean dear god the original metroid like yeah i mean games games were were far more obtuse before that was for different reasons though there just wasn't enough room on the game to put more clarity there uh there are probably some games that i don't know i mean castlevania 2 having to kneel and next to a wall and it, yeah, well, that was, stuff like sure. that. I mean, yes, some of it's technical limitations, but I just think that uh, game design, like Fez, you know, the director of Fez, when he released it, kind of designed it specifically to be, it's kind of nostalgic because you kind of need a, some graph paper or a pen and paper to take notes and go back and backtrack right. and check these things. And that, that is the way that I, I think some of it was, was intentional. But, but anyway, it, it wasn't necessarily a weakness of these games. It was just kind of the way it was. And, and sometimes intentional, sometimes maybe not as much. More incidental from technology or whatever. But, uh, but, but this, this wasn't, you know, it's not like Earthbound is, oh my God, like, how could I ever beat a game like this? Like, no, it's about as obtuse as anything else. And if you do really pay attention, you can pick up on the clues and you'll, you'll know where to go. It's just that as an adult and enter game life balance, everybody as an adult, I just don't have the luxury of time to wander around and to deal with these mundane battles where 80% of your attacks miss that. That's the item that you, you told me that you generally. told me that in the chat yeah. on Twitch when I was streaming. But I still insist you should not miss as much. Like that's the thing. If if I'm gonna do some mindless battles, that's fine. But if I there were battles where I missed like five times in a row, and it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna die against a slime equivalent because I like missing. So um, that notwithstanding, let's just say I had the wrong item equipped. Uh, I, I I I'm not gonna say this game is bad, really, like at all. I just think I missed the boat in terms of when and where I could have enjoyed it the most. And that's a bummer to me because I see it's a freaking brilliant game. And I'm not, I'm not like, I have nothing bad to say it other than the gameplay is just antiquated. It's tedious. And, they, it's it's Nintendo, tedious, yeah. and you know, Nintendo has been so reticent to, they've been so reluctant to, to give this series anything you know what i mean they didn't release it on virtual console until 2013 it, yes 
so I, and there's there's some other um and I'll talk about this in just a little bit there's some other legal stuff with this game and that's part of the reason why um that there a couple of other couple other hoops that they had to jump through. I've heard through. that the copyright stuff was a rumor and Nintendo officially said that that's not what was actually stopping it from coming over. Really? Um, according okay. to Wikipedia, I don't know. I read the Wikipedia page thoroughly before this, before sure. our conversation. Um, but I, I did hear that as well because you were going to say that some of the music sounds like it's copyrighted music and they might be in legal trouble. Ex- yeah. Well, more just that they didn't even want to, they didn't even want to approach the possibility of having to deal with that um, because they didn't think that they would like sell enough to make it worth their while if they did have to do anything legal regarding the yeah, sound. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I I would hesitate to say that this game is just can't be enjoyed anymore if you've never played it, um, which is not what you're saying. But I like I would hesitate to say that I that you you couldn't do it. I think if if you approach it with a like with the mind of okay this is this is an old school role playing game right this is an old school turn based role playing game that is going to take a significant amount of time but has a like it has a payoff there with this weird charm and this weird dialogue that is funny and touching and just it like it covers all the bases but it but you realize that it's wrapped in this kind of, again, like you had said, antiquated gameplay wrapper. If you can approach it like that, I think there is a lot of enjoyment to have in this game. I really do. And I think so too. Um, I did. There were, and listen, my wife, Casey, bar none, absolute favorite game of hers that I have played. Like she, like she was in like legitimately into it. Um, you yeah. know, just from even the camera guy dropping down, she watched, you know, I've been trying to stream the first little bit of each of these games. She did not at any point indicate she wanted to stop. I mean, I think we streamed for two hours or something. And then at some point I got to a, a more dungeony part with lots of battles and it got, you know, for, for a casual viewer, sure. it's not as great, but the dialogue and the story, she was like, this is incredible. I love this. Why can't all the games be like this? Um, so yeah, no, enjoyment is had. And and uh, and I do think you're right. And I, I, I plan on beating the game. I do plan on continuing to do it. Kind of at a, a slower click, just as a game where if I need a couple minutes here or there, but I wasn't compelled you know what I mean? It, it just, it felt more like a chore for just the space that I'm in. But if I, I went on like a vacation or something, or I had a little more time, or I, I approached it differently, like you said, like right now, my game life balance just can't fit it in. But there are many people who definitely could, I think. I think you certainly did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't take me as much time as I thought it was going to either. But it's a, How long it did it take? Long. I would say somewhere between 20 and 30. See, you also terrified me because I thought it was going to take 40, and that was daunting. Yeah, because well, I was like, I, I can't, time, I can't it, take forty it hours. Of probably this. would have for the first time that you played the game. Oh, it right. probably would have. Um, let's see. Before we wrap up, a couple of other notes that I have. Um, I wrote the game is just ugly because it is. Is it's in terms of in terms of like a Super Nintendo game, it is ugly. It could easily have been a Nintendo game with slightly more colors. Um, there are the game is generally funny. But there are these occasional, and 
and and this kind of all wraps up with um talking about like the americana and like the the coming of age story that this game tells but there there are these touching moments with ness the main character and a lot of times like they come they come when you're talking to your mom um or they come when you go to one of the soundstone locations and they're they're like they're single sentences a lot of the time but the way that they're like framed for me and like the context of the rest of the game they i don't know they just like they they just hit the right note with me in terms of being like a like a touching giving me like a good feeling like you call your mom on the phone did you ever get homesick no you can get homesick in this game um it i it happens randomly from what i from what i know and occasionally ness um if he is homesick there's nothing that indicates that he's homesick other than occasionally in battle he just won't act he'll say like ness is feeling sad and like doesn't want to act and you go to the phone and you call your mom and she's like honey is everything okay like you sound like you're down you know and she just there's like a brief like three sentence exchange that you have with her and she's like cheer up you're like you're doing awesome and that cures your homesickness and it's like a it's like a cute little thing and then like you'll like like i was saying you go to these you go to the soundstone locations and uh for for one of them for instance you get to name your favorite food at the start of the game and you do that because anytime you go home, your mom's like, hey, how about you have some of your favorite food and go to bed? So it's, yes. you say for pizza, she'll be like, how about you have some pizza and go take a nap? You, you'll, you like go to this soundstone location and it's, and it's like Ness, Ness caught a whiff of pizza, if only just for a second. And then you like move on with, with, your, with your game. Or Ness, caught a, Ness had a vision of a baby in a, in a bassinet wearing a hat wearing a red baseball cap or something like that. And it just, there are little moments like that. And it's not just at those locations, but they're kind of all over the place. And so it's got this, and they, they you kind of never know when those are going to come up either. And so they kind of catch you off guard, um, which I really loved them. There's a lot of really, and you didn't get to see a lot of it, which is a shame. How far did you get? That's a Threed? good. Did you make it to Threed? Uh, I think so. So, that would be the, that'd be the third town with the at, zombies. It was after I got Jeff. Yeah, so you were in Threed. Yeah, then. you were in you're in Threed when you get Jeff. Um, there's a lot of cultural references in this game that are that are awesome. Like the Runaway Five being the Blues Brothers. I loved the oh my god the Runaway Five. I know. There's that kind of stuff is so good, and they come up in the game like four other times too. They're like instrumental in you completing the game in a variety yes. of ways. Yeah, they're just. They're just great. Uh, it just and it, there's stuff like that all over the place too, um, that I just I really like. Uh, the The ending had an had an epilogue on it that you wouldn't have seen, but you basically finish the game and then you drop the characters off your your friends off where they need to go, and then you go home and your mom's like, "Hey, go like say bye to everybody before you finish the game." And you can go around the entire world and there's new dialogue options everywhere for everybody. There's no more battles or anything. It's literally just for adding color and context to the world. Wow. Which is a, it's a super cool thing. It's a super cool part of the game. And if you get there, I, like, I hope you take advantage of that if you end up playing the game. Because there's some great, great stuff in the epilogue as well. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is there is a... So... 
it's important to note that this takes place. This is a contemporary game. This game takes place in a contemporary time. It could be anybody, any of our childhoods from when we were, you know, it, I think Ness is around eight, seven or eight in is this he? game. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like, your parents are just like, well, you're going to be a hero, honey, at the start of the game. So like, go off and, and, uh, and save the world. Right. And like, I think that's literally what your mom says to you when you leave. She's yeah. like, I, I know you're just going to do great. Um, you were like destined for great things. And um, I think because it's a contemporary game, there's this progression and there's like a um, there's like a feeling like when I like when I was seven, I would have pretended to go on this kind of grand adventure. Like there's a there's a feeling for me when I play this game and it's because of its setting. It's because of 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 the, the, the main character being like an eight year old boy that like brings me back in a way. And you're a silent protagonist in this game. Ness doesn't ever say anything. Um, but people like, but Ness still has character. They still, they still manage to give him character by how other people respond to him. Like, there's just this feeling like this could have been me. Right. And not, not for real, obviously, but like me pretending in my neighborhood, like when we were playing games, like this this could have been me. And it also reminds me of a a story that I read when I was younger by Stephen King called The Talisman, which was about a young boy who journeys across the country in an alternate dimension, like it, going between an alternate dimension of America and America as he travels across the country to reach this talisman because his mom is dying of cancer and he has to reach the talisman and bring it back to her to save her life. And it 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 gives me such similar feelings to the way I felt when I read that book about being a child and going on this like crazy grand adventure. And I just, I have a feeling about this game that I know is unique to me. And there are probably other people that have that feeling for other games. But it, it just, it like, it brings me back to childhood in a way that I don't think there's any other game that has that ability to do for me. And it's because of, it's because of the, again, the setting of it, of it, and, and the context I have of that story, that book, Talisman, that I read. And like feeling like there was there's such a similar thing in my mind and kind of like merging those two concepts together. And I just like I, I can't I don't think I can do a better job of explaining it. But there's just like it it is so nostalgic for me. And it is it is nostalgic, not just because of the way I feel when like I'm playing the game as a video game, but it just reminds me of my own childhood so much. And it just brings me back to my own childhood. And it's such a it's such a crazy feeling. And it's every time I play this game, it's every time. Well, the fan base for this game is rabid, so you can't, I mean, clearly it's resonating in some way with other people the way that it's resonating with you. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe, maybe not the same way or the same reason, but but yeah. but they're pretty notorious for just, I mean, people have, and this is one of those games I feel like people talk about more than they've even played. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are just really into the idea of Earthbound because they know that the people who actually played through it are so into it. Like, everyone I've talked to that's played it is like, oh, it's one of the best games of all time. So I just, by default, 
I, I'm sure I've said in the past, man, I wish Nintendo would bring Earthbound back or make an Earthbound sequel or something, just because there's so much there's just so much hype about well, it. Everybody, I don't think that we ever got anything like it again. I don't think there was any... Maybe Mother 3, which we never got here in America, but I don't think there was ever anything with... There are humorous games, and there are serious games, and there are sad games, but the balance that this strikes between all of those like all of those different genres and all of those concepts, like you said, it kind of like transcends any standard theme of a role-playing game. Yeah. It's such like a weird, different amalgamation of all these things. And that's, that's why I think there's no, I don't think there's a better comparison than Twin Peaks because that's, that's what that is. It's, it's a box it into a genre or one particular thing. And there's so much just crap that happens that doesn't, seem to follow any logic and probably doesn't it doesn't there's a lot of stuff that doesn't that doesn't it's make just any there sense. does fuzzy pickles ever mean anything so, yeah so that that is one of the best moments of the entire game when you're done with your epilogue and you go home and you say all right mom like i'm ready to turn in and she's like hey go have some of your favorite food and go to bed um oh and by the way one of your friends dropped off a photo album for you all of the photos in the game that he takes pan across the screen one at a time while the credits roll while a version of the soundstone theme plays in the background like a more orchestrated version of the whole soundstone melody wow and it's it's wonderful it's it's a wonderful end to the game it really is but this is just a guy that just spins in the air and lands yeah. and <laughs> yeah he just yeah no he's your mom says he's a friend of yours. I, he's probably a creeper, actually. Is what but, he and that's the thing: is it, it does feel like every line is if you were just playing with people. And and to your point about the parents, I, I do think I was really struck by a lot of that dialogue at the beginning because a lot of it was just, "Oh, you're going to go save the world now. Go get in your spaceship or whatever." And and the cops are saying things like everyone is saying something so outrageous, but yeah. it's. That you like wouldn't say you wouldn't say it to a child, right? You, I mean, no one would say it to any anybody. Of, but I, I know exactly yeah, what you're exactly. talking about. So, um, what I the other the only final thing I want to offer is that I I think perhaps, and I'll experiment with this. I think perhaps the the perfect solution for someone who doesn't want to struggle through the gameplay, I think, could be let's play videos, and I think that let this is perhaps an example of the type of game that is just going to really thrive in the let's play community because then I don't have to worry about the mechanics. And if it's well edited and if some commentator isn't screaming idiocy over the entire game and they're just kind of taking their time and chilling out and not getting in too many battles and I can have it on the background or something and checking in and out, I think it'll be really great a really great thing. Again, I'm still planning on beating it, um, and I still think it is worth playing. And like you said, it's not a deal breaker to the point where it's like this is literally unplayable. But I'm just not in the in the space in this space and time at this moment where I'm prepared to play it. So uh, so maybe a let's I play is you. good for. And, and if if you're out there and you just can't see yourself stomaching the Dragon Quest like gameplay, maybe just watch somebody else play it because because. You'll get the sound, you'll get the graphics, you'll get the dialogue, and that's that's what where this game is just unbelievable. One last fun fact before we uh, before we move on: uh, one of the programmers of the game is Satoru Iwata, was Satoru Iwata, uh, who later became the president of Nintendo. I'm sure you knew that mm-hmm. that he was that he was the president of Nintendo. 
this game, when it was originally developed, had a very kind of tumultuous development. And there was a time where the game looked like it was going to be canceled. And Awada came in, from from what I understand, Awada came in and single-handedly programmed like half of the game. Oh my god. Yeah. And saved the game from from getting canceled. Like like I said, single-handedly. And then it then went to the publisher after that. And then he then became the president of Nintendo a couple you know a couple years down the road. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That man, God rest his soul, did amazing things. Yep. Well, I have Earthbound trivia for you. I'm excited. The first question I absolutely know you'll know, so it doesn't really count, but Earthbound was one of the mother games in Japan. Which mother was it? Mother 2. Yeah, so that was such a gimme that it doesn't even count. I've played Mother 1 on an emulator. It's not... It's the... the ra- so if you think there's a lot of random encounters in Mother in this one, it's like every four steps in the original Mother. It's now, awful. It was never translated officially, right? It's just a fan translation? Yeah, it's just a fan translation. Was it? Is it good? No, it wasn't. But then again, I played it like 15 years ago. So who knows? There's probably a better one out there now. Okay. All right. Uh, so three questions. Um, Mother 3 was released in Japan in 2006 for what system? GBA. Game Boy Advance. Good. Uh, and Nintendo had announced a sequel to Earthbound for the Nintendo 64 in 1996 but it was scheduled for release on the 64DD, the right. expansion peripheral that used a magneto-optical drive. This is from Wikipedia, so I don't know what that is. I remember in- seeing images of it in Nintendo Power of, like, the preview images of, um, I, think it was, I think it was called Earth Mother 64. Yeah. Is what, is what that, like, title was. And I remember seeing images of them and being like, oh my god, there's going to be an Earthbound on the Nintendo 64. It's going to be the only role-playing game, because there weren't any role-playing games on the Nintendo 64. But, it, but Mother 64 is going to be the only role-playing game. And then they scrapped, you know, back then there was no internet to tell you what was going on with stuff. But it just kind of, you never heard about it again after that magazine. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. All right, this one you'll definitely know. If the player talks to the trumpet player in on it, he will play Symphony Number no. 9, Movement 2, by what Czech composer? Multiple choice. A, Gustav Mahler, B, Antonin Dvorak, C, Pavel Haas, or D, Alexander Glazunov? I'm going to say Dvorak. How did you know that? <laughs> because I think he, I vaguely knew he was Czech. I don't know. Uh... But which trumpet player? I don't know. Glazunov, by the way, is Russian. I threw that in there as a curveball. I'm really you glad you knew that. You, you missed. You're two for two. All right. And then the last one, there are two arcade cabinets found only in the Onnit Arcade. Yeah, and they this. show recognizable screens of classic arcade games. Can you really? Name, can you name either arcade game? I'm going to guess Space Invaders because that's like the standard. That is one of them. Yeah. And the other one, maybe... God, Donkey Kong would be so on the nose, and I would love it. I'm going to say Donkey Kong is the other one. You, you, you cheat. I didn't, know. No, I swear I didn't know. But you I didn't would be, look up Earthbound trivia no, before this? No, I really didn't, but I swear I was thinking it would be so cool if Nintendo put a Donkey Kong cabinet in the game. I didn't even notice that, though. In the, it was and Donkey I played this Kong game and of, Space Invaders. Oh, my yeah, God. I, I can't believe you got that. Yeah, I didn't even need multiple choice. Wow, I'm impressed with your Earthbound uh, trivia knowledge. I love this game. I really do. I played it again. When, when I was playing it again, I, 
it I think it might be my favorite Super Nintendo game. I really do. And not because it plays well. Like that just it has nothing to do with it. It's the just, character. It, it's the way it makes me feel. Like it makes me feel differently than any other video game from that time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Um well, yeah, I think this is a great discussion. I like I said, it's it's uh I'm just not in that I'm not ready to play it, um, but I, I hope I will be too. And again, I'm jealous because like I will never have what you have, even if I make it through the game. Um, and that's really cool, but that's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that we got to use this podcast as a excuse to do that. And listener, I know that usually at the end of every episode, we pick what game we're going to play next. This, of course, is an RPG, so we'll go next on our RPG track. Well, guess what? The only two RPGs left that we haven't played through our Secret of Mana, and Final Fantasy VI, or Final Fantasy III. Well, John is playing through all the Final Fantasy games, and so I think that we should just do Final Fantasy VI next so that he can get to that. Um, what, we that pl- will, what that will probably allow us to do then is for the last game of the Super NES Classic, we can do Secret of Mana, which I think is a fitting end for our history with that game. I'm thinking of saving it for the end. Yeah. Then the following week, we can review the PlayStation re-release. Yeah, no, I'm not going to spend money on that. Uh, but the next game that we decided on, yeah, we've already we already know. So in two weeks we'll be doing F Zero, which I haven't even started it yet. Um, full confession, I think it's going to be a very difficult game to finish. Uh, yeah, I never finished it as a kid. So yeah, we don't like racing games, do we? It's such a different thing, though. It's like it's a, it's a racing game in like the way Mario Kart is a racing game, only it's more difficult. It's That's like it's fair. such a it's such a weird different thing. That's fair. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of your Final Fantasy journey, you're like way, like how are you on Final Fantasy VIII already? I skipped six. Okay. Because we we're gonna play it for the, for the SNES Classic. I like I beat four in like two days. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. The original, so I'm talking the original version of four, the the Super Nintendo version of four. I just that game. When you know what to do in that game, it flies in a way that I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. I've never just tried to play through that game fast before. So I beat that game in like two days. Five. I have been training for five for the past three years you by doing sure? that. By doing that. <laughs> that charity event every summer. And so when you play five and you have the ability just to swap classes whenever you want, that game is easy as hell. So I just demolished that game. And I even played with some classes that I had never played with before just to like try them out. Wow. So that was super fun. Um, Three was hard. Three took me a long time. Actually three was the longest one so far Two, two was a while. Two was at the start of the year. Pretty much one was at the start of the year. And then two was immediately following that, and I didn't like it at all. I just did not like it. Such a weird. It was such a weird game. But that—that's the whole. Oh, and in se- so in seven's case, I had just played through it like eight months ago, so I kind of gave myself some leeway. I had a save about halfway into the game. It was well beyond Midgar, probably at the end of disc one ish okay. area in the in the actual, in like the PlayStation version. And I just started there because I've played through the start of that game a billion times. Yeah. 
you know, but like I and I just didn't I kind of didn't want to play through the start of it again since I just done it so recently. So that's fair. Yeah. And then I would play Now I'm playing eighth and I haven't had a chance to talk about it at all. But I hated that game when I was a kid. I remember really disliking it. I'm playing through it again, and there's some crap about it that's really dumb. Um, like the draw system's awful. It's a it's a bad system. I still consider it a bad system. But there's a lot of stuff in that game that is really cool. Yeah, They're really cool. This I just the the environments and like the towns and stuff are really cool. So I don't remember any of it. It's like playing it's like playing a brand new Final Fantasy game to me. I don't cool. remember anything about that game. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad you can get a start on six. I'll do that as well. Is that all you've been playing? Man, the draw system sucks. Uh, yeah, that's all I've been playing. That and Heroes of the Storm every once in a while. Yeah, I'm Heroes of the Storming once in a while. I'm still terrible at it. Why did you re-sign up for Final Fantasy fourteen? What are you doing to yourself? I never let my subscription lapse. I just didn't oh, I just okay. didn't really play for like three months. But um sure. I don't know. In uh, Well, I never finished Stormblood, which is the newest expansion. And I just, I right. just, I felt I really want to finish the story. And I, I play FF14 for the story. And I actually was thinking about Earthbound a lot when I played 14. Because to me, Final Fantasy 14 is immersive world and dialogue and world building and characters and just everything about it. The, the way it's written, it's, it's like poetry to me. Like, I just, it's the most beautiful game. It is probably my favorite video game of all time. Um, that said, I recognize a lot of people just can't stand MMOs at all. They just don't want to touch them with a 10-foot pole. And lots and lots of people will never play Final Fantasy XIV or really get to experience any of it because they just don't can't handle the MMO. And it made me think of Earthbound because I'm like, some people just aren't going to be able to handle this 8-bit play style and they're just never going to experience this awesome world and this really cool story. So with that said like i'm not going to judge other people that don't want to play final fantasy 14 even though in my opinion it's it's just it 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 everything about it it's is very amazing good. for me, for me yeah. for me um so don't judge me for you know not being earthbound but that's all but yeah i'm i'm back into uh into ff14 and looking forward to playing f0 yeah we both we are. have a lot of other We're stuff f- to catch up on and talk about too it's a shame we don't have an opportunity to like record an extra episode or anything like that. Something wrong with your eye? Is there something in your eye? Get yeah. it out of your eye. <laughs> it's destiny. That's really wait, we're doing a destiny episode? No. I don't even know what that is. It's a video game. I know that. You just said you didn't know what it was. <laughs> well, you told me, so now I do. <laughs> hey, let's uh let's wrap it up, huh? Let's um, talk about the Gunna Geek Network, which we're on, just yeah, we like Game Life Balance Australia. Welcome, Game Life Balance Australia. Where are you on the sheet? Let's see. This week on... They're not on the promo sheet, no. you hacks. No, they're not on the promo sheet because they're too lazy to write a promo, right? That's got to be what it is. Man, have you been listening to them lately? No, I haven't. I know. They know that, too. Every episode, they make fun of you and then say, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen. <laughs> And every time they say, they, like, every episode, at least three times, um, the current debate... You know what? I'll just do a promo off the cuff. On this episode <laughs> of Game Life Balance... Because I listen to all their episodes. Sure, yeah. On this episode of Game Life Balance Australia... Australia. Rob, Australia, might Robin AC review Wii Sports. It was actually a pretty good episode. I, I was... I, it, 
I like the way that they, they do their thing. They review Wii Sports. Rob asks, is John a drug lord? And AC asks, is John a drug mule? Because that was a debate they had. Um, they also talk some crap about Cody, threatened to take the brand for themselves, which will never happen, and create much more self-deprecating humor about how terrible the Gunna Geek Network is now that they're there to dis- to be- dismer- to besmirch the network. And now that on Game Life Balance Australia, which you can find on Gunna Geek or at GameLifeBalanceAustralia.com. And on, <laughs> in terms of real promos, on the official Gunna Geek show, uh, which took a week off last week, um, so you've got time to catch up on them, Gunna Geek 233, going to talk about drones. In this week's episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show, the crew discusses how there may be an iPhone X color variant coming soon and how there was a flat earther that lodged themselves a rocket. Two weeks? This is, like a, this is really old. This is like ancient. God. Plus, Stargate Pioneer shows all of his recent drone experience highlights and lowlights. Hint, it involves power lines and an emergency button press. Check it out at geeks.link slash 233. That's exciting. Drones kind of scare me because it, it seems like there's plenty of horror stories about buying like a $200 drone and then just immediately driving it into a tree, just completely <laughs> destroying it. So... Just like we completely destroyed your expectations about Earthbound on this episode. Really well done. Uh, I guess I'm here to say thank you very much for listening to the Game Life Balance US podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and leave us a review if you really want to make our day. You can find us on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageek.com or on wgnradio.com. Learn more about Game Life Balance. You You say that like with contempt or on wgnradio.com well, I, I, I have to when I say it it like gets stuck in my mouth it's one of those things where I have a hard time saying it so I just kind of like try to get through it I don't I don't know how to describe it it's just it kind of like all runs together and I can't you just did describe it poorly even when I try to enunciate it, it, it then it just sounds more awkward so I just kind of get through it so wgnradio.com Learn more about Game Life Balance, including contact information and links to our sister show in Australia at GameLifeBalance.us. And it would be remiss if we didn't say that uh, you should check out the Curiosity Podcast, which is Cody's daytime job. He just interviewed Jordy LaForge. It's it's not his (laughs) real name. He interviewed LeVar Burton, though, which is pretty incredible. So, And it's a fantastic interview. So if you... Have the ability, like, search in your in your uh, favored uh, web browser. You could use Google or AltaVista or or even Ask Jeeves, and you could look for the Curiosity podcast, and you should look for the LeVar Burton episode because it's it's fantastic. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That was a like Earthbound. That was an unexpectedly tender moment. Uh, Cody was the worst part of that show. Mm-hmm.